I probably don't need to tell you about evening encouragements with Pastor Jeremy, but in case there's a few of you who haven't seen these videos, let me tell you. Pastor Jeremy is like the best friend you need, giving you a pep talk of biblical encouragement to end your day. And now you can listen to his messages. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll want to check out Evening Encouragements with Pastor Jeremy. We are finishing up our Mayflower series today with an episode that I am calling, Where's Your Hope? And I hope that you are not putting your hope in having an easy life, because for Christians, that's just really not part of the game plan. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. I think sometimes we forget that we are here on earth and we try to make our heaven here on earth and we look for all the wrong things. We put our hope in all the wrong things and we look to the wrong Uh, places and people to fulfill us instead of looking to God. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 30 today, and this is an account with Rachel and Leah. If you're not familiar, Abraham, who was the patriarch of the Christian faith, he, his wife actually gave birth to Isaac. Isaac had a wife, Rebecca. She gave birth to Jacob and Esau. Jacob fled from Esau because he tricked him into getting the blessing. It's a long story. It's all found in Genesis. But when he fled, he fled to his mom, Rebecca's homeland. And there he fell in love with Rachel. So he told his uncle Laban that he would happily work for seven years in order to marry Rachel. Well, the day of the wedding came. And instead of letting Jacob marry Rachel, Laban tricked him and he married Rachel's sister, Leah. And we don't know much about Leah. We know that Rachel is good looking. We were told that she was beautiful and we know that Jacob fell in love with her. But Leah, we don't know much about except for that she had weak eyes, whatever that means. And so Jacob was tricked into marrying two women and it did not go well. So Leah, who was the woman who was unloved, not Jacob's choice, she gave birth to four sons right off the bat. No problem conceiving, had these children, but Rachel was not able to conceive. So Rachel decided in order to build her family, she did the only thing that made sense to her, which was to give her servant to her husband to sleep with. Now, she should have known better. If the families talked about what happened in the past at all, they would have known that when Abraham tried the same thing and slept with Hagar, his wife, Sarah's servant, um, she did get pregnant and there was a son, Ishmael, but it did not go well at all. Well, nobody learned from the past. So Rachel gave her servant to her husband to sleep with, and that servant got pregnant twice and had two sons. And Leah started going, wait a second, it's four to two. I can't have that happen. So she wasn't conceiving. So she gave her servant to sleep with her husband and had two sons that way. 
I know. I'm asking myself too, like, why did Jacob agree to this? I have no idea, but it caused a lot of hatred, which, you know, if you keep reading in the book of Genesis, you see how this all played out and the hatred came out and the way they treated their brothers. And it was a lot of craziness. Anyway, the point being that Rachel has been married and she has watched everybody else have children. And she has never been able to conceive. And in Genesis chapter 30, we read this. During wheat harvest, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Okay. Reuben scores the mandrakes. And what is so special about mandrakes, you might be asking? I asked the same question. I've spent an insane amount of time looking up mandrakes and seeing if there was anything to this because the People's Bible said they were known as love apples and they were thought to be a cure for barrenness or to promote fertility. So I wanted to see, was there anything to this? And apparently this was definitely a myth. And at that time in ancient lands. And yet there is very little proof to show that these mandrakes did anything. In fact, if anything, um, it shows that they really helped you to sleep. It was a narcotic of sort. And so all of this to say that Rachel was grasping at straws. She had tried the maidservant, she had tried begging her husband for a child. And he said, I am not in the place of God. I cannot make you pregnant. Like I can do my part. But if you're not conceiving, that's between you and God, not between me and you. And now she thought this plant would help. And here's a spoiler alert. It didn't. In fact, the deal was Leah gave Rachel the mandrakes in exchange for sleeping with Jacob that night. And she, Leah, not Rachel, is the one who conceived. Now, you might be asking, what are we supposed to be doing with this? I mean, all the time I'm I'm constantly saying that I'm so grateful for every part of scripture, even the parts that are hard to read or hard to fathom, because I know that God put them in our grasp for a reason. We're supposed to learn something. So what on earth could we possibly take away from Rachel and her mandrakes and this crazy situation? Well, it's easy to look back and see how people had misplaced hopes and expectations. It's so easy to see that. And yet, so rarely do we recognize when we do the same thing. So here's just a few things that I thought about. Remember when we thought technology would make our lives so much easier, right? It's going to simplify our lives. How's that worked for you? Instead of just having a mailbox where I get my bills, I now get bills uh, via my bank, some come in my bank account, come directly to me as an e-bill. Some of my bills are emailed to me. Some of my bills I need to look up electronically to get into my account, to see what the balance is, to figure out, you know, what I need to pay. 
And how is that easier than just getting mail out of the mailbox? We all assumed that, and we were told really, when this whole World Wide Web started, that it was sort of like a library, that you could just get this unbiased information at your fingertips. But now we know that all this information is manipulated and it's skewed and it's biased so that it's hard to even find the truth because algorithms make sure that you see what they want you, they being the big tech giant people, want you to see. It's not a library where you're getting unbiased information. It's a place where you're being fed the information they want you to see. My husband and I had this dishwasher and my husband used to laugh all the time because I would rinse the dishes because if I just put the dishes in the dishwasher after we finished eating, they'd come out of the dishwasher dirty. There'd be food stuck to them. So in order to load the dishwasher, I'd basically be washing the dishes to put them in the dishwasher. Then it would go through a two hour, yeah, you got that right, two hour cycle. And when I opened the dishwasher, the dishes were still wet. So I'd leave the dishwasher open, I'd get all the steam out, and then I'd leave it for a couple hours so that the dishes would dry and then unload the dishwasher. And my husband would just laugh. Like, Amber, do you really think this is easier than just taking soapy water, washing the dishes, putting them on the drying rack and walking away for an hour until they're dry and then coming back and spending maybe 10 minutes to put them away? And guess what? He's right. I haven't used my dishwasher in a long time because he's absolutely right. So the dishwasher was supposed to make my life so much easier. And it was just such a process that I decided it wasn't easier. Do you think that life is easier now that you carry a phone everywhere you go? Or are you spending considerably less quality time with your Bible, your family, your neighbors, even with strangers? Isn't it amazing how when we go into any situation... So if you're at the doctor's office, the dentist's office, if you're waiting for an appointment, if you're going to see somebody and you have to wait for any amount of time, even if you're in line at the store, instead of talking to the people around us, what do we do? We pull out our phone and we look down. Have you noticed how hard it is to get away or just to focus on things? And how many of us aren't actually becoming the rich fool? whose land produced abundant crops. And so he had this brilliant idea. Man, I don't have enough room to store all this. I need to tear down my barns and I need to build bigger and more so that I can just take life easy and enjoy life and eat, drink and be merry. The question we have to ask is where are we putting our trust? Are we sacrificing our here and now to work for someday? And if you're doing this in in as much as you're saying, well, this is this is the world and this is life in a sinful world. So I know it's not going to be perfect. And therefore, I am looking forward to my eternity in heaven. That's great. That's right on. 
But Rachel lived looking ahead. She was beautiful and she was loved. Those things we are told. Jacob enjoyed her. He wanted to be with her. But she didn't have a child. And until she had a child, she wouldn't be satisfied. Not from the mandrakes, but many, many years later, God gave her a son. And do you know what she named that child? She named him Joseph, saying, May God add another. Not, oh man, this satisfies those longings that I have had for so long. And I am so blessed. God, you are so good that I've been able to carry a child and that I now hold this child in my arms. Nope. She was still looking forward to some day. I hope I have another. And isn't that the way most of us live? We don't enjoy and appreciate what we have, but we constantly anticipate what we will have someday. Whatever struggle you're in right now, it's temporary. No matter how profound it is, that pain cannot come with you to heaven. Whatever it is that just isn't so in your life, I don't know what that is. I don't know if there's an addiction that you're struggling with or a child is struggling with or a spouse is struggling with. I don't know if there's some achievement that has always been out of your grasp. You have tried and tried and tried to reach some level of success and it has never come. I don't know if there is a profound loss that you have endured, a spouse, a child. All I know is that it is not meant to hold you captive. And how can I be sure? Jesus returned to Nazareth after he had left Nazareth and started his ministry. And he went into the synagogue and he read from the book of Isaiah. And this is what he read. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Satan wants to hold us captive by using what we don't have to keep us from seeing that all that God has given us. If you live in comparison, you're constantly looking at what they have that you don't. You never take the time to appreciate what you have. So Rachel did this because her sister was having the children. And even though Rachel was beautiful and she was loved and Leah was not somewhat beautiful, or at least we aren't told she was beautiful. And we know that she was not loved because after every son was born, or at least her first three sons, she was saying, I'm not loved, but at least I have a child. 
But Rachel wasn't saying, God, you've been so good to me and you've given me enough. She was always saying, there's got to be more. And why don't I have that more? So if we're comparing or if we're constantly thinking back to when we had something, when that person was still in our life, or before we lost the job, or when we had people who liked us, or before that pastor left who we really liked, and now we've got this new guy who we don't like, or whatever. If we're living in that, we're failing to see the blessings right in front of us. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. The Apostle Peter said, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Think about what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, Live like you're never going to die, or trust me and you'll never experience pain, or everything will be fine and dandy if you just follow me. He never said that. He said, I have come to take away the pain of sin and death. That doesn't mean we won't experience those things now. It means that we have hope in heaven. We will get to heaven someday and there will be no sin and there will be no death. Jesus conquered what we never could. These days, I look at life like this. I look at it as a battlefield, and we are always at war. It doesn't surprise me anymore when I have struggles. I almost, mm, I I don't want to say I almost laugh, but, you know, we don't get through very much of life without something else going wrong because we live in this sinful world, and Satan is always, always trying to destroy what we have. They're at war to steal our faith, to make God look like a joke, to convince people that you can be the God. You can make the rules. You don't need to follow God. Who is God? He is on a mission, Satan that is, to fill up hell. But we are on a mission too. We are warriors battling. Sometimes we're battling in prayer. I teach Bible history and when we talked about Jacob wrestling with God. I said, guys, you got to know we wrestle still. There will be nights when you wrestle with God in prayer, when there are situations going on and you are begging and pleading God to intercede. We wrestle still. Sometimes we're using the sword of the spirit, the word to show people a better way to try to convince them. But we are always, always in battle, whether we are in prayer, whether we are trying with our words and actions to win people over to Christ, whether we are teaching the next generation about the Lord to carry on what we have been entrusted with. And as soldiers, we see and experience a lot of casualties. We suffer a lot of loss. And if if it weren't for God and the grace that he gives us, and if it weren't for our fellow warriors, the ones who pick us up when we are ready to stay down, 
we probably would just give up. But the fight is too important to be distracted. And it's too big to misplace our trust. Whatever we have to endure, our faith and our hope have to be grounded in God. He knows. He sees. And he's with us until our very last breath. And once we get home to heaven, we are going to see and understand that the battle was not in vain, but it was a worthy cause. God is worthy of our efforts. Whatever evil comes our way is just a reminder that the battle is fierce and that the devil doesn't easily give up. Do not get lulled into lethargy by the mandrakes of our day. Stay in the fight. Find those who can encourage you to rally. Yep, this was a bad week. Or, oh man, that was a significant blow. That one hurt. But until God takes you home, He still has something for you to do. Warren Wearsby, I loved listening to Warren Wearsby. He used to be one of the um, speakers that they used on Back to the Bible. And I, I just really found him very practical and down to earth. He's now with the Lord. But he said this, Remember, you are not fighting for victory, but from victory. For Jesus Christ has already defeated Satan. Boy, it would be tragic if it was our job to take Satan down. It's not. Satan's already been defeated. Now he's just throwing punches into the air and trying to cause as much damage as he can because he knows the days are short. Go in the strength of the Lord. Go in the strength that you get by reading the Bible and seeing how God faithfully carried his chosen people through all generations. And go knowing that this is not the final place that we are staying. This is just a blip on the radar. And we are going to battle and we are going to fight for our victorious Lord until the day we get to be with him forever in heaven. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. My friends don't have to wonder what I like or don't like, because you may have guessed this about me, but I'm not one to keep the good stuff for myself. If you know someone who would benefit from this episode, send it to them. And then meet for coffee, and four hours later, you'll both have a new attitude on life. Or maybe that's just me. Either way, thanks for being here and have a great week.